This week's parsha is Parshas Re'eh. And in the Aliyah of Hamishi, it starts that there is an Indian of Aser to Aser. You're supposed to take Meiser of all the Tzvuah of your Zera. And we know there's different types of Meisers. There's Meiser Rishon, there's Meiser Sheni, there's Meiser Oni. And then, dealing with Meiser Oni, the Pasuk says... You're supposed to eat Meiser Sheni in the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to be Mashra Heshchina, to dwell, meaning in Yerushalayim. Meiser Degoncha, Tireshcha Vitzarecha tells us the different types of produce that a person is supposed to be eating for his Meiser Sheni in Yerushalayim. And then the Pasuk says something surprising. What's the reason why you're supposed to eat Meiser Sheni? So that you should learn how to have Yerushalayim. In order to acquire, in order to possess Yerushalayim, in order to train oneself to fear the Rabbi Shalom, one must eat Meiser Sheni. And it's a pella. What does Meiser Sheni have to do with Laman Talmud? How by me eating my wines, my grains, my, my produce in Yerushalayim, how is that going to help me have Yerushalayim? And the Mepharshim deal with it. There is actually a Tysis in Baba Basra. And that really brings a, a Sifri that speaks directly to this point. The context that the Taisus is dealing with on that Gemara is a, uh, a sugya there about the earliest yeshiva system known in human history, and that was Rabbi Yeshua ben Gamla devised a strategy how to make sure that all children were properly taught Torah. Because what happened was in the olden days, if you had a father and your father was learned, you would be able to be learned too. Because they took the words of Shema quite literally, that you had to teach your son Torah. So that's great if you have a father that could teach your Torah. But there were many kids who didn't have fathers, or if they did have fathers, their fathers were not Tamit HaChachamim. They couldn't really teach them Torah. And so all these children were not getting the proper Jewish education. So a great trailblazer by the name of Rabbi Shua ben Gamla comes along and says, this can't go on. We have to make sure that every Jewish child has the proper chinuch. And like most plans, it didn't start with the, the final product right away. It, it takes time. Sometimes you've got to go to the, libra- the, the laboratory and then back to the laboratory again and again until you get that, the right mix. So what happened was the first step of Yeshua ben Gamla's plan was that he set up a yeshiva in Yerushalayim and Yerushalayim, that was where they had the center of Tyra. And whoever had a, a child and you didn't know how to teach him, or if, let's say, the child didn't have a father, they would ship them to Yerushalayim, and that's where they would learn Tyra. Eventually, they saw that that wasn't feasible because uh, not everybody could make it to Yerushalayim, and uh, it wasn't so practical, it wasn't affordable, Eventually, Rabbi Yeshua ben Gamla scrapped that plan. He actually set up yeshivas in every single b'chal plach u plach, every single community 
throughout Eretz Yisrael, and maybe in Dallas too, was set up with the yeshiva, and that's really where the yeshiva system began. But the Gemara says that the reason why he started off his plan in Yerushalayim was because of a famous pasuk. The pasuk says, Ki mitziyayin Taira will come out of Tzion, out of Yerushalayim. And so he thought, okay, this is the place that, that Taira will emanate from. So Taisus there, on Daf Chafalaf Amidalaf in Baba Basra, Diba Maslow Ki Mitzia in Taitse Saira, explains, Lefi Shahayaroya Kedusha Gedaila, Vikaihanim Aiskim Bavaida, Hayamachovan Liba Yaiser Lira Shamayim Vomaitaira, because Yerushalayim was a place that you had Tamide Chachamim, because Yerushalayim was a place of Kedusha, because Yerushalayim was a place that you saw Kaihanim, you saw the Kayan Gadol, you saw the Leviyam sing their Shira, you saw a different scene that you knew, than you would wherever you came from. If you came from Netanya, you came from Nariya, you came from Haifa, you came from Tel Aviv, you didn't see what you saw in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim was a scene that was unparalleled in the universe. So what more beautiful place can you have to learn Tyra from and to acquire your Shamayim and to really get into Yeshiva than being in Sion. That's the, the most ideal place to learn is Yerushalayim because it was a place that was surrounded by Kedusha V'tara. Kaihanem Babaidasam, Uleviyem B'duchanam, B'shiram Ovezimram. It was a perfect place. It was like a utopia for Limud Hatayra, for your Shamayim, and that's what made Rabbi Shuv and Gamla say, let's start it off in Yerushalayim. Eventually that wasn't feasible, so they did it elsewhere. But the main place of Taira, says Taisus, is Yerushalayim. Because there was such Kedusha, there was such Yerushalayim, there was such, there was such a, an elevated status of the people, the quality of life there. The Tamid Chachamim that were, that were just walking the streets. And the Kaihanim that you saw and all of the, the great personalities that were present. There's no place on earth like Yerushalayim. And Taisus continues, Kedarshina Sifri as the Sifri Darshins, and it Darshins in on the Pasuk that we started with this morning from this week's Parsha. Laman Tilmad Liyira. By Meiser Shani, it says that you're going to eat Meiser Shani in Yerushalayim. Why? So that you should learn how to fear God. Godol Meiser Shani. This is the Lashon HaSifri. Meiser Shani is so great, Shemevili De Talmud. Because Meiser Shani will bring you to being able to learn to having real Yerushalayim. I had to stay in Yerushalayim until I finished the Meiser Shani. There were two choices in what you brought to Yerushalayim. Either you brought the actual produce, or we know you can also redeem the produce that you planted and, and bring it to Yerushalayim and then cash in or trade in you know, your money that had Kedusha to it for produce that you are now going to purchase and eat in Yerushalayim. But you have to eat in Yerushalayim. Whatever it is, you have to eat it in Yerushalayim. So you're spending a lot of time until you consume all that produce. Let's say I bring, 
I don't know, I bring a truckload of, uh, uh, of fruit. I bring a truckload of, 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 of wine, whatever it is that I'm bringing to Yerushalayim, or I buy it in Yerushalayim, I have to spend time eating there. It's going to take me a good couple of weeks, maybe a month, too, I don't know. And during that time, I'm going to be living in Yerushalayim. I'm going to be a citizen of Yerushalayim. And what am I going to be doing in Yerushalayim? So the Sifri says, What are you looking at while you're eating your produce? You're not playing video games. You're not checking your, your text messages. You're looking around... And you're seeing people that are Isaac the Malacha Shamayim. You're seeing the Sanhedrin. You're seeing real Tamid Chacham. You're seeing the Reb Shlaim Azaman Ayerbachs, the Reb Yashivs, the Reb Chaim Kanievskis of old. That's what you are surrounded by in Yerushalayim. And you saw everybody just learning and doing their Aveda. What's going to happen? What's the ine- inevitable consequence if I'm surrounding myself? in such a bubble of Kedusha. What's going to happen to me? Says the Sifri. I too will undoubtedly be, be affected. The Yerushalayim will be contagious. I will, I will catch that Yerushalayim just by osmosis, just by being there. For Isaac Batar, I'm going to sit and learn also. If I'm in a Saviva of people that are doing the right thing, Tamidachamim, Sanhedrin, Gedailim, Kaihanim, Levim, what am I going to do? No choice but you yourself, you will be uplifted. That doesn't mean you're going to be the Kayan Gadol yourself, but your game will definitely be elevated because you're surrounding yourself in such a beautiful atmosphere of Kedusha, of Tyra, that you will lamantilma liyiras Hashem, by eating your Meiser Shani, your Shalayim, the Rabbani Shalom gave us this mitzvah of Meiser Shani so that we are tethered to that city of your Shalayim. That we never lose sight, we never lose focus of who we really should be because we will always have to return to your Shalayim and in your Shalayim we will gain so much Kedusha, so much Yerushalayim that it's going to change the very essence of our lives. This is what Tysus is learning based on the Sifri. This is why Kimitzin Teitze Sayer, why Rabbi Shubin Gamla felt that the ideal place to set up that Merkaz HaTayra, that center of Taira is in Yerushalayim because that's, there's no better place in Yerushalayim. We know that. We know that ourselves, right? When we think of the ideal place to learn Taira, after Lander College, what's the next ideal place to learn Taira? Eretz Yisrael. Why Eretz Yisrael? Because Eretz Yisrael is Kedusha. It's Kedusha, it's Tyra, there's no distractions, or if there are, it's, you know, we could hopefully put them aside. We see real people, real Kailo Avrechim sitting in Mesir Snefesh and learning. We see real Tamidich Chachamim there. We see real Paiskim there. We see real people with Ruach HaKadosh. We see people that are, that, that Tyra is alive by them. And so by eating my Shane in Yerushalayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, I'm not telling you to bring, you know, to lift up the economy of Yerushalayim. That's where you should go visit, you know, like, you know, tour Israel because, you know, it's good for the Israeli economy. That's not why you should go to Israel. You go to Eretz Yisrael because it's good for you. It's good for you to be immersed and to be completely 
enveloped in this Kedusha, on the Yerushamayim that Eretz Yisrael gives us. That's the Tachlis of eating Maiser Shein in Yerushalayim. That's what the Torah is saying. And if you look in the Mepharshim also, they, they, the Chinuch speaks about this, the Rashbam speaks about this, that basically the mitzvah of eating Maiser Shein in Yerushalayim is because the Yerushamayim will come by being in the right atmosphere. If you're surrounding yourself with the right chevra, with the right people around you, either the Talmidei Chacham of Eretz Yisrael or the Kaihanim and Levim in Eretz Yisrael in Yerushalayim, whatever it is, but these great personalities, these holy, elevated people will rub off on me. If I'm surrounded in the right, by the right people and the right chevra, I will be elevated. That's the reality. And if you're not... If you never go to your Shalayim and you're stuck in whatever town you're from and you're just surrounding yourself with the same chevra that you're used to and you're going bowling and you're going with your video games and you're going with, you know, to your pizza stores, but you never get a chance to, to, to taste the Kedushas Yerushalayim, the Kedushas Tzayim, then your life will always be flatlining, if not worse. But once in a while, or, or forever, if you get to stay in Sion and learn and immerse yourself in the Torah of Eretz Yisrael and be surrounded, even if it's temporarily surrounded, while you're eating your Meisr Shani, but while you're eating it, you're looking around like, wow, look what's going on. There are real people doing the right thing, serving the Rabbi Nishlam on the highest level. That is going to affect you. You're not going to go back home and just be the same guy that you were when you went. Because the fact that you were able to witness that there's a world that's a higher world, there's a world that people are living on a higher plane, that will rub off on you. That's the mitzvah of Meiser Shani. There's a very beautiful Maril Diskin. The Maral Diskin says, Rabbi Shuleib Diskin was uh, the Rav of, uh, he was a Rav in Brisk, and then he was a Rav in Yerushalayim later, and he was a brilliant, brilliant person. We're going to speak about him more as the year goes on. He, unbelievable person. He was probably the most brilliant mind, you know, him and the Rogachever basically were, I guess, very, very similar brains. The Maral Diskin, they say, was able to look at a tree, and just by looking at it once was able to see the exact number of leaves on the tree. And so somebody said, okay, fine, I could do that also. Like, who's going to prove me wrong? You're going to start counting thousands of leaves on a tree? Tomorrow, Diskin said, okay, you could test me. He says, how could I test you? I'm not counting. He says, fine, I'll tell you how many leaves there are on the tree now, and then I'm going to, like, you know, go into a building, and then you take off, cut off a branch or two or three and count how many leaves there were on that branch. And then I'll give you a new count, and he did, and it was exactly the amount of the original count minus the amount of leaves on the tree. He had a, a brain that was like mishunadik, like not normal. So, and he was, the, the, the Reb Chaim Brisker said that all of the titles that you give other gedalim, whatever it is, you call people a rav, a gain, a resh whatever you like calling gedalim Yisrael, Rabin Shal Yisrael, he says, where all of the titles end, that's where the Maril Diskin's titles begin. Meaning, get them all out of your system, and that's where you could start entitling 
the maril diskin. That's, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of the, the greatness of the maril diskin. So, listen to this, uh, this vart of his. In Parshas Emmer, it says on the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Lokachtem lachem Arishem. You should take for yourself Bayem Arishem, Priyet Hadar, Kapis Tamarim, Anathet Aves Arve Right? We know that Pasuk. That's the Pasuk that tells us the Dalad Minim that you're supposed to take on Sukkis. Listen to the Medrash on this Pasuk. Ulokachtem lachem Bayem Arishem, Priyet Hadar. That's an Esrig. But the Medrash doesn't say it's an Esrig. The Medrash says, Zeh Sanhedrin Gedayla Shal Yisrael. Take for yourself Priyetzadah, not, not an S. Obviously, you have to take an Esrig also. But the deeper meaning of the Pasuk is, it's talking about the Sanhedrin, the great body of Sanhedrin, the brilliant Tamidichacham that were passing the great Shilas of Kal Yisrael. That's what you're supposed to take. Kapis Tamarim, that's a Lulav? No, not a Lulav. When you're in your Shalim, you're going to see big rabbis, big Tamidachamim. Before the Sanhedrin, there were three rows of Tamidacham that were sitting in front of the Sanhedrin. That was part of what the Sanhedrin had. That's what you're going to see. The Arve Nachal, Elo It's not Arabis, it's the two, um, two like stenographers that were taking uh, the notes and the record recording all that was being deliberated in the Sanhedrin, that's what it means when the Pasuk says, Va'anath, va'arve nachal. So what's going on in this medrash? It's a strange medrash. Well, why can't we just keep it simple? That it means a lulav, eser, gadasma. Why do you have to get into this? Zaktamaril diskin, that the Gemara in Kedushin says, Andaf Pe'alef, that in a sense, the worst time of the year the worst time in terms of doing the right thing versus the wrong thing is surprisingly Yam Taibim. The Lashon of the Gemara is Ri'ua Shoyimaisashana Harego. The hardest, the worst time of the year as far as Averis are concerned is Harego. It's Yam Taibim. Why? Shemevatlan Mimalachtan. We're off from work, so we're, you know, sort of like have, have time. And what do we do all day on Yantif? We eat and we drink. And we're happy. And what happens? When you, when you have nothing, nothing to do on the schedule, you have wine and schnapps on the table, you got meat and steaks and ribs and, 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 and chocolate mousse, what's going to happen? Very often what happens is it brings to callous rush, it brings to lightheartedness and, uh, you know, joking and Lashon Hara, Rechilos, other Averis. It's not the best time of year, Yantif, in terms of Kedusha, ironically, even though it should be, but that's the way it is. That's why there's a minig uh, that many people have in Klai Yisrael, that there's something called Bahab, Bez Hey Bez, and that's that uh, the, the month after Pesach and the month after Sukkot, the first Monday, Thursday, Monday, they fast and they say slichas. Not everybody has that minute. In certain yeshivas that I went to, they used to do that, not fast, but they used to say the special slichas. And it's a reality. Why do they have this series of bahab? Because people on Yantif very often do abeiris, and there's what to do tshuva from. So that's the Gemara and Kedushin. So says the Maral Diskin that once we know that Gemara, that uh, that there is that yantiv is a hard time. 
and you could do a lot of bad on Yantif. So now we can understand this Pasuk of Sukkot says Maldiskin that you're supposed to take for yourself a lul of Esther. What does that mean? Go to Yerushalayim, see the Tamidich Chachamim, see the Sanhedrin, see the Seifrim, see all of that scenery, be, in, be, be immersed in the Kedusha Eretz Yisrael, and the Kedusha of Yerushalayim, and have that rub off on you to sort of protect yourself, to inoculate yourself from the potential tumma that Yontif could offer. Surround yourself with the right chevra so that the Yontif won't have a negative effect on you. Because Yontif, ironically, could be negative. So by going to your shalayim, pre-etzhadr, kapas tamarim, forget the lulu of an you've got to take that also, but that's not what I want. I want you to go to your shalayim, and I want you to see the tamidah chamim, talk to them in learning, go to their shiurim, get brachas from them, and that way you're going to hopefully be protected from all of the ill effects of Yantav. This is what the Maral Diskin says. I was wondering about this Maral Diskin, why it is that specifically the Torah is giving us this Eitzah by Sukkot. Why by Sukkot? Why not Pesach? Pesach is also a, a dangerous time. Why is the Torah telling us specifically by Sukkot that make sure to be in a good Chevra? I wanted to add another question. What Mesechta do we learn that it's very important to surround yourself with good people and to stay away from bad people? The end of the Mesechta. Whoever made a Siyam or went to a Siyam on this Mesechta knows. Mesechta Sukkah. The last words in the Mesechta are... You have to surround yourself by good people. For something, for some reason, sukkah and sukkis is the yantif that we learn this from. Why specifically sukkis? There's uh, there's two other yamtayvim. Why not Pesach? Why not Shavuos? So I wanted to share with you a gorgeous vart from Rav on the end of this week's parsha, and I think it might open our eyes a little bit to understanding why Sukkot is the time that we're told to go to your Shalayim to get this oomph, to get this uh, energy, to get this this kedusha, this Yerushalayim, specifically on Sukkot. Listen to this, right? This is a game-changing vart. It says like this: If you look at the end of the parsha where it speaks about the the Gimel Regalim. It speaks about Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, and it tells us where you should go to be Eile Regal by all three Yom Tev. The Torah repeats itself. But there is one very important difference by Sukkot that is not true by Pesach and Shavuot, and you have to be Rafutner to notice this. When the Pasuk says, go on Pesach, it doesn't say, by the way, the Torah doesn't say Yerushalayim. It never says, go to Yerushalayim. It always says, Go Go to the place that God earmarked for you to go to. The special place in the world. It never says Yerushalayim is a special place. That we know as a Messiah. But it, it just says, Go to the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose. And by Pesach and Shavuos, it uses the same Lashon. It says, You should go where? Don't stay home. Go up to your shalayim. Similar lashon that we had by Maishu Shani, right? 
go to the place that Hashem chose, l'shakein shemaisham, to dwell, to dwell there, to rest his shechina there. That's the Lashon by Pesach and Shavuos. Same thing by Shavuos. If you look by Sukkot, it doesn't say that. It says, Shivas Yom Tochig Lashem Lekecha. Celebrate seven days for, in front of Hashem. Ba'makayim Asher Yivchar Hashem. In the place that Hashem has chosen. What's missing? It doesn't say, Asher Yivchar Hashem, L'shakim Shema Hashem. Hashem chose to dwell there. It just says, this is the place that Hashem chose. What happened to the words L'shakim Shema Hashem? By Pesach and Shavuos, it does say that. Here by Sukkot, it does not. Listen to Rav Hutner's brilliance. He says that Pesach and Shavuos, there's only one thing that you could do if you want to get to the place that Hashem chose to dwell. Where is that place? Yerushalayim. You have to go to the Makam HaMikdash, and that's where HaKadosh Baruch Hu has chosen L'shakin Shemaisham. Where he's dwelling. You want to go where the Shekhinah is? you got to be drawn to the Makam HaMikdash. Sukkot, says Rav Hotner, is different. Sukkot, you don't have to go to Eretz Yisrael if you want to be immersed in a place that's L'shakin Shemaisham. You want to get the Shekhinah you don't need to travel so far. You don't need to call your travel agent, book a flight to Yerushalayim. You don't have to go very far at all. You don't have to go to Shul. You don't have to go to Yeshiva. You know where you go? Where do you go? You walk into the Sukkah. The Sukkah is a place that we know the Shechina is Shaira in the Sukkah. Every Sukkah, even in New York. Every Sukkah has Ashras Shechina. It's a Makkim that's full of Kedusha. That's why you're not supposed to bring pots and pans in the sukkah. That's why you're not supposed to speak Lashon Hara in the sukkah. That's why you have to be Nayib B'Kedusha in the sukkah because sukkah is a place that has the Ashras HaShchina in it. We call it Silo de Memnusa. It's a place that, it's the shade of the Shechina, of, of Emuna. So Rav Hutner says, that's why it says that go to your Shalayim because it's the place that Hashem chose. You're looking L'Shaki and Shemeshem, you don't need to go to your Shalayim. You could stay home for that. Save your money. Don't go to Yerushalayim. If you're looking for the Shechina, you could stay home. So then I scratch my head and I ask myself, okay, so why do I have to go to Yerushalayim for Sukkot? If I can get the Shechina at home in my own Sukkah, then what's the impetus for me to go to Yerushalayim? Why can't I just stay home? The answer is because it's true you could stay home and you'll get the Shechina there you won't get the chevra there. If you want to make sure to have, like the Maral Diskin says, to make sure that you don't have a bad yantiv, you don't come back to Yeshiva after Sukkot and say, you know, ach, this yantiv was really bad. I did everything I shouldn't have. I went here, I went there. I didn't have any Kedusha, no time. That's because you stayed home. You might have had the Shechina in the Sukkah, but what was the chevra like in the Sukkah? What was the chevra like on Chalamayid, on your in Great Adventure? What was the chevra like? You go to your Shalayim, Yerushalayim is a place that's full of Kedusha. It's Anathetz Avais, it's Ari Nachal, it's Priyetz Hader, it's Hamid Chachamim, it's Sanhedrin. That's something that you can't get at home. Now Pesach, I need to go to Yerushalayim for other reasons because that's where the Shechina is. That's where I'm supposed to be a regal to. Sukkot, really the main reason on Sukkot to go to Yerushalayim is not for the Shechina. It's for you. It's so that you are able to be immersed in a world of Tyra, in a world of Yerushalayim, in a world of Kedusha, that you need to go to Yerushalayim. That you got to pick up yourself and go to Yerushalayim because that's the place that you can escape the Eight Sahara. That's what Sukkot 
Sukkis is the place that we learn Eile Rasha Eile Shechenav. That's the end of Masechah Sukkah because Sukkah is really a dangerous time unless you're making sure to surround yourself in the right, with the right people in the right place. And that's the place. The place is Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the place that we're able to come and immerse ourselves in Kedusha. That's what Meisr Shani teaches us. That's what the Regalim teach us. To go to Yerushalayim to make sure to see and to look at what real Jews look like. What does a real Jew look like? Go to Yerushalayim. You're not going to necessarily see it at home. But you go to Eretz Yisrael, you go to Yerushalayim, you see what a, what a Yid, what a pure Yid looks like. What Ruach HaKadosh looks like. What a Talmud Chacham looks like. That you need to go there for. You can't really see it that, that often elsewhere. You might have Ashura Sashchina in your sukkah, but the chevra and the sukkah drives you out of there. Makes it almost worthless because you need the right chevra. Reminds me of a, of a bard. I think they say it from Chaim Shmulevitz. I'm not sure. But the famous question, why Yaakov Avinu was always, like when he was in his mother's stomach with Esav, every time he passed the base medrash, what did he do? He tried to, he was like kicking his mother to get out. And the Farshim asked, why did he want to get out for? He was learning with a malaf. The Gemara Nida tells us that inside of a mother's stomach, what happens? It's the base medrash. You're getting, uh, you're getting one-on-one sessions or one-on-two sessions with a malach. Malach is teaching you kalatayra kula until you get the little flick on top of your lip and then you forget it when you come out. But in the base, in, inside the mother's womb, it's a beautiful base medrash with Panovich in there. So why do I want, why was he trying to get out to a regular, you know, Lander College when he was inside of, uh, inside of his mother's stomach learning with a malach? So the Bali Musar say that you can have a malach teach you Taira. You can have the greatest Rebbe in the world. But if you're in a, if your roommates or your roommates with an Asav, then it's worthless. You could be in the best yeshiva in the world, but if your roommate is a bum, or if your chavrusa is not showing up, or he's battling the whole time, or, and your chavr that you're hanging out with is, 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 is not up to snuff, Rabbeim can't do a thing. It's nice to have a nice rabbi. It's nice to say, I go to a nice shir and a nice yeshiva and a nice this, a rashiva and a mashkiach and this and that. But if you're, if you're not surrounding yourself, and listen to me very clearly, because I mean what I'm saying, if you're not surrounding yourself with the best of guys, with the best of chevra, if your chevra is doing things that you don't feel is appropriate, they're watching things, they're going places, they're doing, they're listening to things that are not appropriate and you are being exposed to that, then don't think the fact that, you know, you're a bentire, you went to this yeshiva and you're in this shir and you're, you're you know, it's not going to help. Because you're in the same sviva as an esav, then even the malach can't help you. You could be sitting in your sukkah with ashras, hashchina, with shakin shemaisham, Still, you got to get to your shalim. Got to get out of that sukkah. Go to your shalim because that's where you're going to be exposed to the right people and the right chevra. This is something that is so so important. I don't think I could give a more important, a more relevant shmuz at the beginning of this year than this. There is nothing that is a 
a killer of Yerushalayim, a killer of a potential ben Tyra, a killer of a, of a life of Tyra, than surrounding yourself by people that are not inspired. I'm not saying they're bad. They might be very nice guys. They might be really friendly, really sweet, really nice guys. And maybe they're ill-informed. And maybe they have weaknesses and maybe everything else. But I'm telling you, if you're surrounded by those type of people, it's going to be not good for you. And Lahabdil, on the other on the other end of the spectrum, if you are surrounded by people that are tyradic, by people that are have your shamayim, by people that are B'nai Taira Mamish, and their main Iker Dira. Their diras keva is in the base medrash. Whenever they're not in their room, you know where to find them, and it's here. That's the type of chaver that will not only be neutral for you, but it will elevate you. If you could get a chaver like that, there's nothing more precious in the world. They will elevate you, and they will elevate your learning, and they will elevate your shemayim, and they will make you into people that you never knew that you could be. That's the maila and the danger of a chevra. It goes both ways. As detrimental as it is to being with a bad chevra, that's how wonderful it is when you're surrounded by a good chevra. What I'm saying here today is really a Rambam. The Rambam is in Hilchas Deus. Deus in the Rambam really means like midas. Deus doesn't mean knowledge. It really means the Rambam uses the word Deus to teach you midas. So it's really like his Musr Sefer. And it's at the beginning of Sefer Mada, Hilchas Deus. And listen to what he says. This is the beginning of the sixth parak in Hilchas Deus. Look it up yourself. It's a very important Rambam. He says like this. Derech shal Adam. The way that we're wired the way that a human being was designed. He is drawn helplessly. He is drawn in his philosophy, in his mindset, in his actions. He is drawn after his chavre, after his friends. And he will behave like the people that he surrounds himself with, the Anshe Medina, the place that you choose to live. That's why when, you're, when you get married in Mitzvah Hashem, your parents chose where they wanted to live, and someday you're going to have to make a choice to choose where you want to live. What are the criteria that you're going to choose, to use to choose, where's the right place to live? So some people will look at the, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the average median income of that place, how many jobs there are that are available in the vicinity, are there, night, are there good school systems there? Are there good, uh, you know, how's the water quality? And how is the, uh, if you go on a regular real estate site, you know, that's what it says, the public schools and how good they are and how good the quality of the environment, the air, the air and the pollution and the, uh, you know, the crime. These are all, I guess, considerations. But when a person, when a bentire is looking to move somewhere, the most important thing that he has to take in mind is what is the chever like? What are the she'ifas of those people? Are, these, are, are the people that I'm going to be surrounding myself in that shul or in that base medrash, are these people that are, 
are learning in their spare time? Is there a night seder going on? Is there a morning seder going on? Are they B'nai Aliyah? Or are they just people that are coasting or crashing? Because don't think that just because you went to a yeshiva and now you're a superman and you're, you know, and you're not going to be affected by the kryptonite of the, the, the surrounding Medina. The Rambam is telling us a fact. The fact is that I am affected by the Anshe Medina. The people that I live in, my community, will have a hashba on me. I am not a rock and I am not an island. I am not going to be able to stay on the level that I want to be at while I surround myself by people that are much, much lower in terms of their Yerushalayim and their standards of, of halacha and kashras and everything else. It just doesn't happen. It's just a reality. You could be the most chashav yid in the world, and if I drop you into a community that's subpar in terms of Yerushalayim, in terms of Ruchnias, you will become subpar. Eventually. It might not happen right away. You'll fight for a while. You'll try to fight the current, but eventually you will sink. That's the reality. Not my part. This is the Rambam. He says, So you have to attach yourself to tzaddikim. And always surround yourself. Sit by the feet of Hamidei Chachamim. Always. Tamid. So that you should learn from their deeds. And separate yourself, distance yourself from evil people that walk in darkness. And then he continues the Rambam, and we're not going to say the whole thing, but you should look at it inside. And he says, therefore, if you do find yourself in a bad place, that the people there are bad, and they're not going in the right way, and their, their, their hashkafas and their she'ifas are not what yours are and what, yours, and what theirs should be, so you shouldn't get up, call a moving truck, and move to a different community. Go to a place that the people are tzaddikim. Find a place that's good and move there. If, let's say, all the Medinas are like that, I don't have a good city. There's no good choices on, on, on the menu. Everything is bad. So what should you do? Or there's a reason that I can't move because, you know, there's, there's some army, you know, there's a war that's going on. I'm not able to move. What should I do there? So he says, Yeshev levada yechidi. Then... Stay indoors, lock your doors, close the shutters, and don't go out of your house. Don't go out. Literally make a bubble for yourself over your house. Order on Amazon a big bubble and put that, have a helicopter drop it over your house. That's what you should do, says the Rambam. And then he says, let's say they don't let you do that. Let's say the people always, you know, they're going to knock on that bubble. And then they say, Bamberger, come out, come on, we're going bowling, we're going to pizza, we're going, uh, you know, we're going skiing, come on. What are you doing this weekend, man? Today. Um, but you're, you're going places that are, come on, come on, you, you could do it. We don't want you to stay alone. We're, we're going to schlep you out of there. What happens then? What happens then, says the Rambam? He says, Yetzeh, Lema'arais, Ulochaychem, you should go out to the desert, get a jeep, get a tent, and move out to the desert somewhere far away that is not surrounded by anybody, and that's where you should live, says the Rambam. 
And he quotes a pasuk, Kinyin shenema mi'neni bamidbar molin archem. Halavaya should be able to go out into a desert and have a, a, a hotel, an inn of just guests that I will not have to be exposed to the bad people around me. The Satmar Rebbe once met the Chazanish. And the Satmar Rebbe once asked the Chazanish, why aren't we all going out to the Midbaris? Because, and this was going back to the you know, 1940s, 50s, 60s, I don't know. He says, like, isn't there... So, so, so why, he says, why did we not, why don't we move out to the Midbaris? We have no aid, so where are, where are we going to live? You're going to move to this city, to that city. You're going to stay home. It's all, it's all bad. There are people all around us that are doing bad stuff. They're going places. They're thinking about things. They're reading things. They're exposed to things. And this is before the Internet, and this is before cable TV, and this is before everything. We have to get out. We have to go to the Midbarius. Where are the Midbarius, asked the Satmarebbe, to the Chazanish? And you know what the Chazanish answered him? I'll tell you where the Midbarius are. The Midbarius, the deserts of today, the isolated regions of today, to seclude oneself so that one may be a proper Ebed Hashem, are the yeshivas. In other words, where we are right now, where we're all sitting, Baruch Hashem, together, this is the Midbar of 2019. This is the Midbar. This is the last vestige that we're able to actually be able to have your Hashem. Where can I go to fear the Rebbe I step out in the street and I see preachers. I go upstairs and I hear preachers. I go out here and I see Where can I go? Where can I escape this world? The only place to escape the world is in a base madrash, in a yeshiva. I have an uncle, Zol Gazenstein. He's a very chashaviyid, my father's oldest brother. He was a rob for a long, long time, and he's retired now. He lives in Riverdale, and he always tells me one vart. He tells me a lot of varts, but he always says this same vart. He says that if you look in the, you know, by the doors of a, of a shul, of a base madrash, there's always exit signs. No one knows exactly, by the way, why these two exit signs are there. I don't know where you're going there, but that's a different story. But at least by the back two doors, that one really should have one, but by the, by the back two doors, there are exit signs. Why? Because if there's an emergency, then the exit signs are telling you they have to escape out. He used to say that the truth is that the exit signs should be outside of the doors of the base medrash. Because this is the place that you're supposed to escape in. We should really be running into, like, as, you know, when there's a fire, everybody's like running out. There's a fire, Rabbi say, going on in the world, and we have to run in. The exit sign should be outside of the yeshiva, outside of the base marriage, outside of every shul, every kailo, every base yakiv, every yeshiva katana, every day school should have signs exit outside so that people run in to escape the fire that's taking place outside. That's the Chazanisha's Vart. The Midbarius of the Rambam today are the yeshivas. 
We are in Baruch Hashem Yeshiva. You, don't, you should never take it for granted that we're in a Yeshiva. I don't take it for granted, I hope, not a single day that I'm still, Baruch Hashem, able to come into a Yeshiva every day and earn my Parnassah this way. It doesn't get better than this. Because it's a very, very difficult world to be an outsider. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't engage in professions and we're going to have to, and we're going to have to go out into the world, and that's a different discussion. But while we're in Yeshiva, as Kozman, that you're here, you have to appreciate it. You have to say Maidem B'Shemu Malchus. You have to bench Gaimel every single day that you are here and that you're able to be immersed in the Ruach of Kedusha that our Yeshiva and that every Yeshiva affords you. But you have to make sure that you in this Yeshiva surround yourself, immerse yourself, choose for yourself, Select for yourself the finest chevra that you could find. Not the coolest guys, not the most popular guys, not the big man on campuses, the tzaddikim, the b'nai taira mitim, the people that you know inherently, this is a person that if I can hitch my wagon to, I will be elevated. There are people like that, and I see, by the way, everyone in this room, I think, is a perfect candidate. If you... We're not here today either, you know, Machbas Aynes or B'mezid. But if it was B'mezid, then perhaps it's not a person that you should attach yourself to. Because eventually what's going to happen? My, my, my buddy went home Thursday night, comes back Monday morning. So that, if it passes for him, it passes for me. That's, that's natural. I would think that way also. The Raman would think that way. So you have to find yourself a chevra of guys that come here on Friday and that stay here often on Shabbos. And that Sunday morning, they're here bright and early for davening. If you attach yourself to that type of chevra, then you will be that chevra. And if you attach yourself to the opposite, then you will be the opposite. Not because you're not strong, not because you're not a ben taira, but because there is an inevitable slide in ruchnius if you're not surrounding yourself by good people. This is the Ram Mitzvah Mitzvah. This is a fact. Just like gravity, if I drop something here, it's going to fall. You know it's going to fall. If you drop yourself into a bad chevra, you will fall. It's inevitable. It might not happen right away. It might take a, a day, a week, a month, a, a zman. But eventually you will fall, and I see it all the time. All the time. Guys come into yeshiva, and they're shtark, they're from Eretz Yisrael, and they're, they're on fire, and they're first seder, night seder, sometimes second seder, davening, and with the passage of time, something happens. And they stop coming for davening, or they don't come for davening every day. And then they stop coming to seder, or they come in and out. They come to enough seder you know, to get away with it, but not really enough that they should be. And then the college work starts piling up, and they're mire hector to, you know, to, to miss night seder in times that they really don't have to. This is the inevitable slide. The erosion of a bentaira happens slowly, but surely. It's just a fact. It's not a, it's not a klala. It's not al tiptah It's just a, it's a mitzvah. This is what the Ram is telling us. And that's in the midbarius. This is in the midbarius we're talking about. We're not talking about going out to work and and, and, and a summer internship and, and all of that. We're talking about in the Midbarius itself, it doesn't get better than this. We're in the yeshiva. But in the yeshiva also, 
You can have the best rabbeim. You could be learning with a malach. But if you have Esav as a roommate, if you have Esav in your chevra, then you will have to leave. You will have to be mefarches lotzes, go to another base medish, but not to be here, because it's not a good place. That is the number one challenge. I, I was a bacher myself, and I have the ability to see a lot more, not that I'm smarter than anyone in this room, I just have been around a lot more, and I have eyes that observe things. And I see the trajectory of life more than you do because you haven't lived as long as I have and you, have, you don't have friends that are my age like I do. And I see exactly what happens to other people and, and I look back on my yeshiva days when I was a bacher and I see what happened to the boys that surrounded themselves with a good chavra. They Their lives are, are still on fire with tire with your shamayim. They're still learning. They're not, they're not all learning in Kailal necessarily. But whatever they do, their life is infused with Tyra because they put themselves in a chevra, in a circle of people that are really, really amazing. And the people that Nebuch, and it's very, it's very understandable. This is not accusing anyone. You know, we all want to hang out with cool guys. We all want to be in the, in the chevra of guys that are, you know, that are a little chilled and a little out there and a little bit, they're fun. We like fun. I like fun. But fun has a very big cost because if you're hanging out with guys that are fun and are doing things and going places and, and, and involved with things that are not good, you will do that too. I promise you. You cannot protect yourself. It doesn't go both ways. You can't have it both ways, unfortunately. It would be great if I could have a chevra in the base mansion. Also, you know, on the weekends, you know, hang out with my high school friends and go here and there and party and then come back. It doesn't work that way. You can't have it both ways. The Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar has a famous quote. He says, just like water and fire cannot coexist, so you cannot coexist this world and the next world. You have to choose a world. Choose a world. But you can't have it both ways. You, can't, you cannot fuse together Ilam Haza and Ilam Haba. It's really, really hard. There are a few people that have done it successfully, but most people are not able to. I found a very beautiful letter of Rabbi Rucham that basically uh, says exactly what I've been saying. And Rabbi Rucham says that he brings a riot to this Yisrael that we've been speaking about from the Meraglim. says that Kalev and Yeshua, or just Kalev, had to go and daven by Chevron. They went and were Mishtateach or Kirei They went to Chevron to daven. What were they davening for? HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved me from the eights of the other Meraglim. These were Kalev, Godel Adar. He had to daven that he shouldn't be enticed to follow the Chevra. Zokter B'yuchim, yes. You see from that, yes. Don't think that um, this Shmuz is just for me and you. This Shmuz would apply to Chaim Kanievsky and, and, to, uh, and to, to everybody. Because that's the reality. Kalev had to worry about a Chevra. Yeah, he did. Because that's the reality. And then he says that he says an amazing thing. And he, he's sort of speaking to his Talmidim in this letter in a way that I, I, I sort of did, and maybe I got it from him, but listen to what he says. He says, it's so important to stay away from a He says, Atem You, Talmidim, you're still young. 
Terem Nikletu Etzlachem Uvdos You haven't really experienced all that many experiences yet. You have. You've experienced a lot, but not relative to people that are older than you. You have, you're yet, you know, a little bit still wet behind the ears in terms of the school of life. Mehem that you have the ability at this point to learn the true ways of life and the how life will run its course if you don't if you're not careful. He says, Ani Ani. says, I'm an old man already. I didn't say that about myself. It might be true, but I I, I didn't say that. From daily life, I have already seen and proven. Vadas, I, I know absolutely. Vaday, ki ein misbar The amount of corpses, chalolim, rabim chalolim ipilu, corpses. The amount of corpses on the roadside of life that have been slain by a bad chevra, you can't count them, he says. How many people would have been B'nai Taira where they have to just associate themselves with the right people? The reason why many people are not what they should be, even if they're good Balabatim, let's say, they're fine Balabatim, but they're not what they should be. They're not learning as much as they should. They're not doing the right things. They're not going on the right, on the right places. They're not, they're, they're not doing all the things that they really could be doing is because they made bad decisions in life in terms of where they chose to live and in terms of the chevra. He says, There's no, you can't count. It's innumerable the amount of people that have been lost not lost the Yiddish. They're not off the derech. They're 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 from. They're 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 fine. I'm not talking about bad people, but people that really could have raised the bar of their of their life in terms of Yiddishkeit had they moved to the right cities. You see it all the time. If you move to a city that's tyradic, and I don't mean just Lakewood. Lakewood is a great example. There are a lot of Balabatim that choose to move to Lakewood and it affected their life. Because if you're, even if you're, you're doing regular things that you might be doing in, in, in the five towns and in Queens and in, in Flatbush and in, uh, in, in Milwaukee, but the fact that you're in Lakewood, New Jersey, and there are B'nai Taira walking the streets day and night and, and you hear the, the Kul Taira every base menace you pass, and Yom Taivim look a certain way in the streets, and Shabbos has that special aura, you're changed. You're a changed man. Your children are different than they would be if they would grow up in a place that's not that way. But even if you're not choosing to live in Lakewood, it's not practical for everybody to live in Lakewood. But if you're choosing, choose a city that has a base medrash, that has Tamitim that have B'nai Taira, I went once to Passaic for a Shabbos, and I visited there, you know, a number of times. That, and to, to Rabbi Sachs' great credit. But other Abonim and the yeshiva itself there, that's a real beacon to the community. They're about, you go into a base medrash in Passaic at night, 
doesn't matter, I think, which base matters, you will find a room of Alabatim sitting and learning like their yeshiva days, and they were just in the city the entire day doing their, their professional work. Amazing. Now, you tell me, if they wouldn't have moved to Passaic, if they would have moved to, to wherever, I don't want to say the name of a city because I don't want to insult any cities, but if they would have moved to a city that's not Passaic, that's not Lakewood, that's not uh, uh, whatever, I think that's about it, but what would have been? Can they honestly, can we honestly say that we would be as good, we would be sitting in our, in our study, in our house with all of our sarim and be able to sit and learn like that? No. Would our children look the same? No. A chevra is vital. There is no greater thing than a chevra. It's talking about a chevra of a shul, which shul you're going to daven in, a chevra of the base medrash, the yeshiva that you decide to, to learn in, and Baruch Hashem, we're in a good yeshiva here, but we have to keep the chevra as strong as possible because it's very easy to have chalolim here as well, Rachman Litzlan. It's important to marry the right girl. That's also a chevra. You're dating and you see a girl and she's pretty and she's like funny and this and that and you say, all my ashkafas are out the window. She's the one. What you've basically done is you have done yourself in because if the ashkafas are not in line with yours, you're doomed. Your life will be different. If she's not a girl that's going to encourage you to, to learn and to steig and continue to, you know, to be Meister Nefesh for Tyra even after you go to work, then you're finished. Your mom is finished. You're finished. You're done. There's no more important shmuz than this. He says that Raya Nachain. He says, Hamaska Budivri Chazal, says Rabbi Rucham. If you look in the Chazal, forget Chazal. You look at life. You take on different glasses and you examine what's going on in the world, daily life. You'll see that everything is so true. He says, The young guy, what does he think to himself? I'm not affected by people. I'm strong. I have like a, you know, I have a, a coat of armor around me. I'm, 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 I'm immunized from any bad chavra. I'm so strong. I'm so from. I'm so on fire. No one can change me. That's what a young person thinks, says Rabbi Rucham. Kishani any rights of a dober when I don't want something. Ani merik al I use my friends. The chavra that I have. I use at my disposal. If I want to learn from them, fine. Otherwise, if they're doing something wrong, immediately I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck them. I'm, I'm going to use them for what I need them for, and I'm not going to use them for what I don't need them for. That's how it's going to go with my relationships. I beg to differ, because Chazal say otherwise. And the Chazal and their words, their messages, their secrets are all true. Baduk umenusa. This is all tried and true. This is tested. Yeshua ben Nun, v'kalad ben Yifune, nitzlo mechavesrom. They were only spared from the bad chevra, not because they were so stark and they were talmidim of Meishra Abenu and they had the Messiah and they were by Harsin. I know all of that would be out the window if they were surrounded by a bad chevra of the Meraglim. They davened, 
They prostrated themselves by Kivrit Sadikim. They went to Maris Machpel and they davened their hearts out. And then they eked out a victory by not being influenced by the Miraglim. They weren't able to change the Miraglim, but they weren't influenced themselves. By the, but were it not for that, they would have been on board with the Miraglim. Whatever you want. We're, we're part of your Hebra. Here we are. Hineni. Tuesday nights we're learning the Tyra of Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky. And uh, it's Kedai to come, even if you signed up for Wednesday night, it's Kedai to come to Tuesday night also. But Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky was a, a Magid, one of the last Magidim, one of the last great Magidim in the world. And he was Nifter a few years ago. He was a Bialystoker, uh, he, he, he was a Navardikar Talmud. He was a Talmud in the Yeshiva Navardik. So he had the Musser and the fire of Navardik. He was very funny. He was like a great mix. He was very entertaining, if you can use that word about him. He was, all, he was just, he packed crowds. Every time he spoke, wherever it was, standing room only. SRO. He once said the following story. He says, when I was a young Bachar, I heard this story. He grew up in the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union was really the Soviet Union with the KGB and all of the you know, the very, you know, the communists ruled and they didn't allow any, any, any talking. Everything was bugged and every period. And there was always people spying on one another, snitching on one another, going, being sent to Siberia. He says the following story. He says, there was once upon a time a year that got out of the Soviet Union. It's already an older man. He didn't grow up with Tyro, with Yiddish, with Yerushalayim, with Yiddish guy because... In the Soviet Union, they didn't allow any of that. But he was from, he, you know, he stayed, he was one of the refuseniks, maybe he was from. Anyway, when he got out of the Soviet Union, he didn't really know how to learn at all. He didn't know how to read Hebrew, probably. But every night, he went to a Dafyaymishir. So Dafyaymishir in the community that he was in, in Eretz Yisrael, and he went every night. He didn't understand the word that was being said by the Dafyaymishir. And he would start, he worked hard the whole day, and he would start dozing off. As soon as the, the Rav you know, started giving the daf, he started snoring. He started dozing off. And, you know, the first night they put up with it and whatever, the snoring got a little louder or whatever. Anyway, finally the, the Magid Shir, you know, he went over to him one night, like a, a month or two later, and he says, why do you bother coming to the Shir? It's late at night. You work hard the whole day. If you're getting something from it, Mela. But... You're not getting anything from it. You fall asleep right away. You know, maybe it's Kedai just to say Kriya Shema, say a and go to sleep like in your bed. Like, why, why are you doing it here? So this Yid said as follows. He says, you're right. But let me tell you a story. He says, when I was growing up in the Soviet Union, I had a Chevro. We were a group of friends that we had, and we would get together pretty often, and we got together in like a, in a hidden room. And we basically, or a lot of the people in the Hebra were very anti the communists. And they were devising different strategies, how we're going to undermine the government and what we're going to do to get around them and maybe to pull them down and to do, they were strategizing against the government, which is like the biggest lav in, in the Soviet Union. But they were doing it. I wasn't really part of the Hebra, part of that discussion. I like just being part of the Hebra, but I wasn't part of those, you know, strategic discussions they were having against the Soviet Union. But sure enough, the KGB got wind of this Hebra and that they were plotting against the government and they were sent in front of the, in front of the authorities and there was a court case and 
they had bugging equipment in that room, and sure enough, the judge read, okay, this guy, you know, he said this against the government, and we're going to send him to Siberia for 20 years. And this guy said this, that he was going to, you know, maybe sabotage a train on the way to Bialystok or whatever. He gets 15 years. And then this guy said that he's going to, you know, go to the Kremlin and start protesting. He gets 35 years. And this guy, Yitzchak, you know, is the guy that we're talking about. He goes to, he goes to Siberia for, for 18 years. So Yitzchak gets up in the court and says, Your Honor, the other people, at least you, you said what, what they did. And that there's a, a crime and there's a punishment. He says, what did I do? You didn't even read any, any and you didn't tell me anything that I did wrong. You, you're punishing me without a crime. I didn't do anything. So the judge said the following quote. If you sit together with them, then you're a part of them. If you sit with that chevra, that's speaking against the government, then you are chayev because you're part of the chevra. And he was sent to Siberia just on the basis of him sitting together with the same chevra. Rabbi Yitzhak explains later in life to this Dafyaimi Magid Shir, he says, I don't have any background in yeshiva. I don't know what side of the Gemara Rashi is on, what side of the Gemara Taisa is on. I can't read. It's all Chinese to me. So why do I come to the Dafyei Because I hope that after 120 years, I could say, I might not have understood a word, but I want the schar of these tzaddikim that do because I'm sitting together with them. The chevra that you choose to sit with is the chevra that you will grow up later with, you will surround yourself later with in life, and you will be with their mechitzas. The decisions that you make now, today, now, are the decisions that will affect you when you are in your later 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 90s. It's, the, it's all dependent on now. It's the bechira that you have now and the decisions that you make now. Which chavr should I be a part of? Who's going to be my friend? Who do I trust in my group of friends? What type of chavra will I have? Will I have a good chavra or will I have the, a different type of chavra? I was just at a chasm the other night and uh, I was speaking to a certain, a certain rebbe of a, of, of, of a girl that I have a, a kesher. She's in a certain uh, Beis Yaakov. And he was telling me, so he lives in Lakewood, he's very from... And he looks at something different. Because if you're in Lakewood, you have a different chavra. He says that, we're talking about a certain girl. He says, that girl, that girl is, is very chashub. She doesn't realize how chashub she is. He says, she can marry a tamad chacham. She can marry a tamad chacham if she wants. She doesn't have to marry a pizza guy. I didn't understand right away what that meant. I was like, what, what does he mean by a pizza guy? What he meant was that there are really two types of people in life. There are people that are running after Tyra at night, and there are people that are running after Elam Haza at night. Both are very geschmack. The people that are running to Tyra don't not like pizza. They don't not like eating out in restaurants. They don't not like Netflix. They like it. 
They're human beings just like everybody else. They just have made a decision, I want better for myself. I want to be a Tamar Chacham. I want to be an Echevra of Tzadikim. That's all it takes. The difference between a Tamar Chacham and an Amaretz is not that one is naturally brilliant and the other is, is just not. The difference is the choices that you make in life. The Talmud Chacham might not be the rugged shover, but he surrounds himself by people that want to be rugged shovers. He will be a rugged shover too. And the people that surround themselves by pizza guys, and that means that people that are not into learning, they're into everything else but learning, they will be a pizza guy. Now you have to be in Lakewood to see things that way. Or you have to be in a midbar and hopefully we'll make this place into that type of midbar that we could see things that way because otherwise life is very, very... It's, it's confusing life. Especially a place like Base Madrash of Talmud where we have a Base Madrash. It's not, you know, white shirt, black suit, hat, you know, one size fits all hashkafa. Things are very broad here. You look around the room, it's Kibbutz Goliath. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. There are many majors. There's college majors that people are going through. There's internships in the summer and there's opportunities galore. What we do on Pesach and, and this and that, working in hotels. and we, Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. And there's a necessity for everything. This is not at all a put down on college and, and going out to work. And Adrabo. You're doing it in L'Shem Shemayim. There's no bigger, no bigger Kiddush Hashem. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in yeshiva and after you're working, who is going to be your friend? Who is your chavra? Who is going to impact you? What type of wife are you going to marry? What type of children are you going to be able to raise in different communities with different hashkafas? With different... That's what I'm talking about. Choose wisely who you become friends with. At the first shmuz of the year, I'm not telling you this, poor me, so why didn't you tell me this, Ella? Would have told me this, Ella, my year would have been different. I'm telling you now. You're in the basement, you came to the shmuz, I'm telling it to you personally now. I might give Ariel a hard job, he might have to like, you know, everybody might have to be stepped into one dorm room uh, after the shmuz, and that's fine. But it's so important to make sure that you're surrounded by good friends. Because friends are life. If you have a good friend, you will be amazing in life. If you have a bad friend, that's it. Say Kaddish Chalolim. Life is over. Because you will be drawn, you will be sucked into that lifestyle, whether you like it or not. Have a wonderful Shabbos.